It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Carrie Fisher once said, Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Good morning, I'm Jonathan, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Vicki, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Thanks for joining us today. This is a call-in format, and we are caller-friendly, so let's get started. Well, good morning, Vicki. We're so glad you're here to help us out today. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. A true privilege. And uh, Rick is out in California at a Bible conference, so uh, he took the day off. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if you'd call it a day off, but working in a different venue. There you go. Well, Vicki, what is our question for this morning? The question is, how can resentment lead to death? And it comes from Ephesians 4.31. Let there be no more resentment. No more anger or temper, no more violent self-assertiveness, no more slander, and no more malicious remarks. Wow. Sounds like enough is enough. (laughs) It sure does. (laughs) Well, Vic, resentment. How dangerous is it? What kind of damage can it cause? Is there a way to prevent resentment within us? Today, we'll look at potentially lethal evil that can cause great harm inwardly and towards others. Resentment is an emotion that has the power to enslave us to the past. When we resent people, we give them power over us. Resentment is based on a way of thinking that suggests, I have been wronged or deserve better. It comes from an entitlement or a victim-type mentality, and it leads to bitterness. How do we avoid this sinful state? How can resentment lead to death? Just wait and see. Well, first, Vic, let's start by defining the word resentment. Resentment is a noun, the feeling of displeasure or indignation at some act, some remark, or person regarded as causing injury or insult. All right, well, we have a few synonyms uh, for resentment, and those are offense, grudge, and score. Vic, how about a couple of examples of of each? You were offended, you're holding a grudge, and you have a score to settle. Not good. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Uh, There's a lot of anger built up there with those uh, synonyms. Now, there are many related emotions that can cause or lead to resentment. What are they? Uh, Selfishness, anger, discontent, pride. Jealousy and humiliation. That's humiliation, not humility. (laughs) Good point. Again, these related emotions or words could cause or lead to resentment. And this morning, we're going to look at examples of Bible characters which dealt with these different related words to see if they fall into this awful trap or uh, of resentment or rise above it. And to add to our lesson on how to fight these emotions, we will connect each word to a stanza from the poem 
Gaining Victory Over Self. Oh, that's my favorite poem in the whole wide world. I know. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you brought it to us to, to share with this program. Tell us a little bit about this poem and why it's special to you. Um, it's a poem that really is a very, very high standard of character development. And when you read it, and you'll see as we go through the stanzas, it can be discouraging, if at least to me, if I think of trying to achieve the victory myself. But Philippians 4.13 reminds me, I can do all things through Christ. And if my efforts are totally committed, he will make up the difference. So it's just a wonderful way to shoot for the stars and hoping that I land on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's get started with the first related emotion that could cause resentment. And, and what is that word that, that we're going to start with? That one is selfishness. Okay. So for our first example, um, why don't we look at a few Bible characters and they're called Ananias and Sapphira. Now, remember, in early Christianity, um, they went to kind of a communal um, type of living. Uh, they pooled resources um, to witness and to serve the Lord, um, to, to be together as, as a group. And that's kind of um, the context of where we're dropping in on their experience. So and that, that communal living came out of love for one another. It yes. was not as though it was anything that was coerced or nobody was forced to do it. It was just they were so connected and so knit together. Um, as you'll see in Acts 4, we're going to read from Acts 5, but Acts 4 goes into the background of just how how it came to be. that. Um, and it also started, Acts 4 ends with, one one gentleman uh, by the name of Barnabas who came and sold his goods and left them at the apostles' feet. Oh, that's right. That's so right. it's Neat. just, you know, all out of love. He just wanted to do that. Excellent. Well, Vic, let's read parts of Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Wow. Whoa. What, you don't lie what, to God. What judgment. No. <laughs> yeah, right. And, I mean, they didn't have to give all exactly but they said they did and, exactly. and it was their heart that was uh that's the contriving piece. the evil mm -hmm. so did ananias and sapphira's selfishness lead to an attitude of resentment were they possibly thinking these thoughts they want all our money that's not fair Sounds like selfishness to me let's keep some back and and not tell them resentment how dangerous is selfishness it leads to resentment, which did lead to death. What does this look like for us? Selfishness, which leads to resentment, could lead to the death of our new creature. 
You know, it's interesting as we go through this program, we're going to see that we're talking about resentment, but that's not the first line of defense. It's like we're talking about right now, it's selfishness. If we can work on those little foxes that spoil the vine before it before gets, it gets to resentment, we yeah. have to let it go at selfishness, it'll be a much easier fight. Exactly. And we don't want to harbor those emotions to let them get worse. Now we have the next example. The scribes and Pharisees selfishly wanted to hold on to their position of respect and control, and they felt Jesus was interfering with their plans. Uh, Let's look at John chapter 11, verses 47 through 53. Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, All men will believe in him. And not us. Uh, Selfishness. And the Romans will come and take away both our place. Again, selfishness. And our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people, and that that the whole nation perish not. So from that day on, They planned together to kill him. Unbelievable. Because of their selfishness, which led to resentment, they had Jesus put to death. This is another example of how resentment can lead to death and murder. How sad that the heart can get to that state of, you know, when someone else is is going above you in in stature Mm -hmm. and... You, you want to keep them down, you want to push them out of the way because you're losing your position. You just want to be above, no yeah. matter what. And, and That's it's, that human nature. It is, and it's really sad that, um, that that has become more valuable to us in this. And it's Satan controlling the, the world today, but it has become more valuable to us than a, than a good character. Yep. Selfishness, <laughs> this is a selfish generation. It is, and I'm part of it. <laughs> we all are. We have I to know. fight it. <laughs> Well, if you have a thought on our subject of how can resentment lead to death, you can call us at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or, don't forget, you can message us on your app. The conversation continues all, all day today, I mean all morning this morning and online throughout the week. Christian Questions is live Sunday mornings and on demand with tons of topics to talk about featured in our re- audio archive cq rewind facebook blog twitter whatever you want to use it's there all right vicky why don't we go to um uh, commentator russell had a paragraph that talked about resentment uh that was re- it really hit home we have known cases however where christians in the interest of peace and harmony yielded their rights and properly enough where no principle was involved but who nevertheless held a kind of grudge against those whom they had yielded, feeling that somehow or other they had been defrauded of their rights. This is wrong and indicates that the sacrifice was not fully made. Under such circumstances, the Lord's dear followers would do well to make haste to cast out of their minds anything akin to resentment and the feeling that they had been deprived of their just rights and instead to take their hearts that they had fully and freely absolutely given up the matter in the interest of peace and it was dead, buried forever, with no resentment toward anyone 
but on the contrary, with the feeling of joy and rejoicing that this matter had been sacrificed to the Lord. Reminds me of Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, it seems like the only reason they did it was to look good because Barnabas must have gotten, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so they wanted the thank you, thank you, thank you without really giving up the sacrifice. And so they held back on that resentment piece. You're, you're right, Vic. And if we don't get rid of any, anything akin to resentment, if we allow this to happen in our heart, it's almost like idolatry. Why? Because we're replacing God in our heart with resentment instead, and selfishness leads to resentment. So the question is, Vic, how do we become selfless? We need to look at Jesus as our perfect pattern. Oh, good idea. Focus on the needs of others. How about Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And how about James two fifteen and 16? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? All right. So Good scriptures. Oh, they are. And uh, focus on selflessness and focus on Jesus. Now let's get to that poem. So, Vicki, what is victory over self? When you never care to refer to yourself in conversation or to record your own good works or itch after commendation, when you can truly love to be unknown, that is victory over self. Sounds like Jesus, yes, not me. <laughs> it certainly does. It certainly does. Well, we're going to uh, go into our first break. How can resentment lead to death? This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki, here with Jonathan. Our subject is, how can resentment lead to death? Coming up next, what do perfume, money, and anger have to do with resentment? Stay with us. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our question this morning, how can resentment lead to death? We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central Time. That means we're on right now. We would love to have you join our conversation by calling 866 985 4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on our on your app. Are you signed up for CQ Rewind? Why not? It's free and it's awesome. It even includes bonus material each week that may not be included in the program discussion. Sign up now if you're if you aren't already signed up. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Thank you, Vicky. All right, back to our subject of how can we how can resentment lead to death? And um, basically, we we're talking about uh, the thought of Judas um, was seeking out the priests and the scribes to negotiate for the betrayal of Jesus. And we're going to go um, to the next related emotion, Vicki. And, and what is that? Anger. Anger. So Judas showed anger when he rebuked 
was rebuked by Jesus for accusing Mary of wasting the costly perfume to anoint Jesus before his death. The following scriptures inspired this subject on how dangerous resentment can be. So uh, I will interrupt you several times uh, during this reading. Oh, you had a good teacher. Oh, I did. (laughs) I learned it well. (laughs) So we're going to take a look at John chapter 12, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Anger. He was mad. Why hasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Here it shows Judas' anger, which turned to ridicule to Mary. It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. This is where selfishness leads to anger. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. Jesus defended Mary in front of everyone, which led Judas to resentment. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I, You know, it's interesting that here Judas is getting angry, which we obviously know turns to resentment. But Jesus is angry at the situation. So he's not angry for anything for himself. He's angry. It's well-placed anger because he's defending Mary. He is defending her. and Where it, Judas was looking out for his own purse. That's right. And in other verses, uh, in other scriptures, it talks about others chimed in with Judas saying, yeah, she shouldn't be doing that. And Jesus like, leave her alone. Peer pressure. But isn't it interesting how Judas was the only one with it, apparently, I mean, obviously, really in his heart, because the other apostles, we know that they went on to... to, Oh, absolutely. uh, Not perfect, but to wonderful Christianity. Yes. How sad. How sad, uh, Judas, because he was a thief, and he wanted Mm -hmm. everything he could grab, and he got... And the others were sucked in for a little while. That's right. Well, why don't we read a little bit more from commentator Russell uh, on, on this experience of Judas. It was under the impulse of resentment that he first sought the priests and the scribes to negotiate for the betrayal of Jesus. Matthew twenty six twenty four, Such treachery, such willingness to hand over his friend and teacher, the one accepted as Messiah and through whom he expected the messianic kingdom. This was deceit of the worst type. Remember, Judas had the use of the Holy Spirit of power to cast out demons, heal the sick in Jesus' name. Wow. This is deceit of the worst type. It is. And and it's interesting that you look back in um, Matthew twenty six fifteen, and that's, I don't know if Matthew is listing these inst- instances as chronologically, but... Um, he went back to deal with the scribes and the Pharisees, and that's when he said, what will you give me if I turn them over to you? And, mm-hmm. and so from that time on, Matthew twenty six sixteen talks about from that time on, he sought opportunity. So he's nurturing this anger and, resentment. and this selfishness, and it turns into resentment, and then he acts foolishly on it. This is how harmful resentment can be. And 
look, it was Jesus, Judas's anger which turned to resentment and triggered Jesus' death. Then Satan entered Judas. It was resentment that led Judas's, to Judas's suicide. He resented himself for what he did to Jesus. As Russell said, deceit of the worst type. We need to weed out resentment so it doesn't destroy our new creature. We actually have to weed it out before it's resentment. We have to the, weed out anger. We have to weed out self. Those other emotions yeah. before it builds. And not let it get that far. Exactly. Easier said than done. Well, we have a call, and uh, why don't we go to the phones? And we have... This is Carol. Welcome to Christian uh, Christian Questions, and uh, you wanted to talk to us on the lack of appreciation? Yes. Uh, for me, I mean, yes, I have resentment, but it also comes with people not appreciating what they have. And an example is, say, a married couple. They they would rather spend it, uh, say, a weekend or a vacation away from their significant other, say, with their friends. Or if they have grandchildren, which my grandchild is in England, I can't see, I've never seen her, but they don't appreciate that they have everything there, and they just complain, and they just go, him, whore, I got a babysit and all. So for me, you know, if I do have resentment, but it's not anger, it's just a lack of appreciation for what they have, and that's, that's what I get so angry about. Lack of appreciation, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It... it, it and unfortunately, because this this life that we lead is very selfish mm-hmm. uh, and self-oriented, um, mm-hmm. people are so focused on what they want, what makes them feel good, mm-hmm. that, that they can't can't look at um, what they really have in their lives. Right, right, right. In a perfect world, everybody would, you know, they would, we would have, you know, in a perfect world, things wouldn't be like this today. Exactly. And as a, as a widow who husband was great and the father was great and i just want to appreciate when when i see couples especially a a relative of mine 46 years of marriage gets divorced and and it's just it just blows my mind that's hard it's heartbreaking isn't it 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 really is heartbreaking well thank you so much carol for calling we truly appreciate it okay thank you take care bye-bye i like how carol had um again like jesus did in a in a sense that she had well-placed I don't call that resentment. I well-placed anger or... Concern. She can see that the world is upside down and backwards, and she said in a perfect world it wouldn't be this way. Well, She's absolutely the kingdom's right. coming, and it will be that way, and I cannot wait. Excellent. Well, thank you, Carol, for that call. Truly appreciate it. And uh, we're going to move on to the next scripture uh, about Judas, and that is found in Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5. Then when Judas had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed, and he went away and hanged himself. Look what resentment created it just ate at him it 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 created the not only the murder for jesus in in turning him into the scribes and pharisees but he went and committed suicide because of his poor choice of allowing the emotion get to get to that point to betray his Mm -hmm. friend jesus it kind of poisoned him it did it absolutely did 
Well, uh, Fred, we're going to go to our first soundbite, and um, this is from In Touch Devotion, and it's talking about a bitter poison. Picture a miserable, depressed, and emotionally broken person hunched over a chemistry set. His eyes are narrow, his lips are pursed, his fingers are methodically adding just a pinch of this and a dash of that to the acrid green fluid in the test tube before him. His thoughts are a hodgepodge of outdated images, his heart a stale mosaic of hatred for a grievance long past. He's thinking of the one who hurt him, and he's busy concocting a poison for the offender. It sounds like an excerpt from an old movie, doesn't it? However, here is where the scene changes direction. Envision that same obsessed scientist breathing a sigh of relief as he straightens up, marveling at the liquid vengeance he's created. Then he utters, This will show him, and drinks the poison himself. <laughs> That's a surprising twist, one that we would not expect in a movie. Yet there's a good chance you've done this very thing at one time or another. You see, bitterness is a toxin that we prepare for someone else, but then drink ourselves. It's a concentrated dose of emotional poison, often one that we carefully nurture and grow over the course of years. When we react to someone's wrongdoing by withdrawing and giving free rein to daydreams of retribution and ill will, we're slowly poisoning our own hearts and minds. Well, Vic, isn't that... That's <laughs> a tragedy in but the can't end. Can't you just see it? It's like Frankenstein, and I can just see the bubbling stuff, and then, yep. aha, I'm going to show him, and you drink it yourself. It sounds so stupid when you hear it that way, but yet we do it. That's it's right. all, the battle starts in our head. All the anxiety, inwardly, uh, all the damage that we're creating in our own bodies. Because we nurture things like anger and selfishness. And, just and then it turns into a concentrated dose of emotional poison. So it is poison Oof. within yeah. us. And, and especially in following in Jesus' footsteps, we can't have any part of that. No. In look our, what in happened to Judas. Was like, That's you know. right. Well, how about our ne next example? What made the Jews show anger? and stone Stephen. Now, Stephen was the first Christian martyr. Yes, and he was. he was witnessing uh, Jesus' um, resurrection, uh, his, his, just praising God for, for the Messiah and his faithfulness. And he, he looked like an angel. He appeared bright and shining with the Holy Spirit just oozing out of him. What do we find the scribes and uh, the, the Jews, you know, towards him. Well, back in Acts, we're going to read from Acts 7, but back in Acts 6, it talks about how Stephen was brimming with God's grace and energy and doing wonderful things among the people, and it was unmistakably positive that God was with him. But there were some um, Jews in the synagogue that were very upset and um, wanted to try to argue him down. But they were no match for his wisdom and his spirit when he spoke. So, why don't we read Acts <laughs> seven fifty four through 58. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. What anger. But being full of the Holy Spirit, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open up, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and covered their ears, and rushed at him with one impulse. 
When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Again, anger can lead to resentment, which can lead to death. But but was Stephen resentful for what they did to him? He was not. In verse 60, we read that his reaction, just before he died, he asks, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Whoa. What an <laughs> no example. Resentment After there. being brutally stoned. Here he's made fun of. And then, I mean, if you go back and read in Acts, it, he also gives a beautiful sermon. Oh, he does. And it's, it's, it's like, amazing. and that's when they get all mad and start rushing. And it's like, really, you're going to kill me for all these good words? Like, <laughs> I don't get it. But there was, I mean, he still wasn't angry with them. How do you do that? I don't know. One person would throw a stone at me and I'd be like, yeah. Such goodness. Really? They resented his his goodness. I want to be like that. So so the question is, how do we put away this anger before it builds to resentment? Uh, What does James 1.19 tell us? This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Vicki, this reminds me of siblings. Uh, when one gets angry or hurt, um, or they have a fight, five minutes later, all is forgiven. Right. You know, I love that. Uh, I had three sisters. That's true. I have three sisters, too. Oh, excellent. And three brothers. Oh. And, but <laughs> wow. It's true. But you know what's interesting is that's especially true when, they're, when we're young. Yes. I think it changes a little bit as we get older. And that's probably one of the reasons why the Lord says that we have to be as little children. Oh, you know, we have to be able I to like let that. go of that stuff and move on. Exactly. It's so, you can learn so Forgive much from watching kids kind play. Of thing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, anger... And an unforgiving attitude can be troubling and poisonous to not only yourself, but to the person you're angry with. When we have been hurt or insulted, we become susceptible to anger, and anger leads to resentment and bitterness. Now, when bitterness is firmly established in the condition of the heart, it is more difficult to get rid of. If you have anger, resentment, and bitterness in your heart, you cannot have God in your heart. Resentment for the Christian could lead to the death of our new creature. So, Vicki, what is victory over self? When your good is evil spoken of, when your wishes are crossed, your advice disregarded, your opinions ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rise in your heart or even defend yourself, but take it all in patient, loving silence, that is victory over self. And like we just talked about, that's Stephen and that's Mary. Oh, that's right. Both of them really... Um, they really fit this picture. Oh, I want to I do this. I want to be this person so badly. Take it patiently in loving silence. Can you imagine? I mean, That's what Jesus did, too. He did. Oh, Jesus, ridic- is, oh. Jesus is the image of this entire poem. And I think that's what I love so much about it is when I want to be Christ-like... Um, this is a, what points me to it. This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki here with Jonathan. Our subject is how can resentment lead to death? Coming up, what could possibly cause the Israelites to be resentful even after witnessing their miraculous deliverance from Egypt? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Cause I feel alive. 
You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back to Christian Questions. I'm uh, Vicki here with Jonathan, and today we're talking about how can resentment lead to death. Uh, we're live on Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central Time. That means we are on right now. We'd love to have you join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Check out the archived programs on the website. We challenge you to find a subject that hasn't been covered. And if you do, email us at rick at christianquestions.net and we'll see if we can cover it in an upcoming program. Very good. Thanks, Vic. All right. Well, we're coming up to our third emotion, which could lead to resentment. And what is that? Discontent. Discontent. Now, let's use Moses as our first example. The context here is Pharaoh's army is coming down on the Israelites after they left Egypt. Israel is crying out, did you bring us here to die to Moses? So let's read Exodus 14 verses 10 through 12. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Wow. (laughs) After all the miracles they just witnessed, the the ten plagues. Right. And not one, not five, ten. Ten plagues where they were miraculously saved. And they'd rather stay in slavery in Egypt. Sounds like discontent to me. The Israelites' discontent led to resentment of Moses and not trusting in God. Wow. Yeah. How could it... Submission is a big part of being a Christian. And if we can't submit to God's will for us and submit to our circumstances, um, it's just going to be a bigger and bigger struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, this isn't the only case that we have where the Israelites... uh, were discontent there weren't there several experiences uh, as they were going to the promised land uh, that this took place there were and i think it was um, about a month after leaving egypt in exodus fifteen twenty two through 24 then moses led israel from the red sea and they went out into the wilderness of shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water and then they came to Merah, and they couldn't drink the water because it was bitter And that's why it was named Merah, and they grumbled at Moses and said, what shall we drink? So they were discontent because there was no water? Three days is a long time without water. I get it. And they're probably thinking they're going to die, but But nobody had died yet. So why are you thinking you had died? You had just witnessed ten plagues a month ago. All these miracles. And how about the the crossing of the Red Sea? uh, The Red Sea. And (laughs) and all of the army of the Egyptians were destroyed? Right. Okay. And none of them died probably. (laughs) No. at least yet. Now, and further on in Exodus 16, uh, verses 2 and 3, it talks about they were discontented without food. It, you know, after the water mm-hmm. came the food scenario. And right, how did that right. go? Oh, they were not happy at all. And they were 
um, grumbling against Moses and Aaron and and they were like they would have rather died in the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt and they're talking about how they ate so good in the land of Egypt and are they As forgetting slaves? that they're slaves and, and yeah and, and all of that and, and we know later on the Lord provided the manna from heaven yeah and he also and then they grumbled and they provided quail he provided quail yeah they were discontent because they didn't have meat they wanted some meat yeah okay so oh my goodness but you know, it's, it's how can we learn from that? And Carol reminded us too that it's our own experiences that open our eyes to being contented. Yes. And it's you know you don't know what you've got till it's gone kind of a thing. Yeah, good point. And it really is true. And if we can just sit and pray and think of other people's circumstances, then perhaps we don't we won't have to go through them all ourselves. But absolutely, um, I think she is very in tune to the things that she has gone through and that makes her frustrated when people don't see what they have and I at least right now maybe not if I were back then but I am frustrated with the Israelites right now because of my (laughs) circumstances and I like come on well how about how far it got for them the Israelites were so discontented now that they wanted to build a golden calf to worship discontent leads to resentment and almost leads to their death Let's read Exodus 32, verses 9, 10, and 14. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then, let me alone, that my anger may burn against them. God's righteous anger. That I may destroy them, and I will make you a great nation. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm, about the harm and he said he would which he said he would do to his people. So Moses pleaded for them, and God and changed his mind. Yes, and he what agreed. a beautiful, beautiful picture that is. You know, it's just, and I sit and I think of, to me, discontent is a problem of perception. It comes from a difference between the way we think things are or seem to be, and the way we think they should be or Ooh. expect them to be. And, and that's uh, what makes us discontented. And where right. in the world do we have the right to think of what things should be when our almighty creator is it, in control? Especially if we're, walking, right, yeah. if we're walking in Jesus' footsteps, then whatever he wants for Absolutely. our situation, for the people in our lives, yeah. we need to All be things work together for, for good. good. Right. For those that are called according to God's purpose. Right. Now let's look at a current practical example of how discontent can lead to resentment. And we have uh, from our CQ team, uh, one of our CQ team wrote us about an experience with resentment in their lives. And Becca says, to prevent resentment from taking hold on us, it's important to remember verses such as Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy. They will be shown mercy. It's important for us to be reminded on a daily basis that we are all sinners and God has been so good to us and forgiven us so many times for all the many things we do wrong and we must pass that forgiveness and mercy along to those around us who have done us wrong. My dad was an alcoholic and when I was old enough to understand how this drinking affected my life and my siblings' life, I became very angry and resentful. Towards the end of his life, we were barely on speaking terms. I just couldn't understand why he wouldn't stop drinking and wake up and be the father that my siblings and I needed after my mom died. I spent a lot of time resenting him and harboring anger that it took years after his death to finally forgive him. And by then, it was too late. 
I wish I had acted differently in my relationship with him, even though what he was doing to himself was wrong and had negative effects on my family, holding on to the bitterness and angry didn't help him, and it didn't help me either. That's well, a, thank you, Becca, for sending us that. Yeah, that's a heartfelt story. It that's, is. That's, uh, and, but by God's grace, it's not too late. That's because right. in the kingdom, uh, Becca's dad will learn of her forgiveness. Yes, and, and love um, for him. Exactly. Uh, and, it'll and, be a beautiful thing. And it will be something that will help heal him. Absolutely. Her forgiveness will help to heal Turn him around. what he feels. Yeah. That's right. Well, now an example of the opposite of being discontent. Abram showed trust instead of discontent when he left his homeland and followed God's direction, which is found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you, and I shall make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Huh. Abraham didn't need any plagues and miracles to help him get moving he just moved on and said okay i trust you lord mm-hmm. and i'm content wherever you lead me uh, i'm i'm good with it but it makes me it w- i was thinking about last night how wonderful by the grace of god he prepares us for what we need he prepared the egyptians for the 40 years that they'd be in the wilderness with those plagues and even though we read and we say oh how could they i'm sure that if anybody were looking at my life with a microscope like we can look at theirs because it's all written down, they'd be saying, why is she doing that? <laughs> because we're blind. You know, we have our blind spots. We and, do. And I really appreciate Becca saying, you know, we need to pass that forgiveness on. And, we, and it's the same when we look back at the Israelites. We need to understand this is in there for us, for our good. So there's got to be something in it that we need to look inwardly and say, huh, how, does this, how does this affect me? Well, true contentment is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, a verse we should all focus on in our Christian walk. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Wow. The Apostle Paul, what a lesson that he taught and passed on to others that it, are following in Jesus' footsteps. It really is. the, the uh, Full trust. And I wonder if he learned part of that from looking back at the Israelites. Ah. Saying, huh. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> they, didn't, they needed to learn how to be hungry, too. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, I have a personal story. Um, my oldest sister, Jan, died in a car accident, and it was quite a shock when we got the phone call. Being a young follower of Christ, uh, that experience could have made me discontent. I was being tested. I had a choice. I could have gone down the road of, why did God allow this to happen to me and my family? How will we cope? Uh, Resentment could have been our outcome. Or I could have left it in God's hands and know that all things work together for good and draw closer to God. And I thank the Lord that he helped me choose the latter. And to be an example of his love and his plan for all my family and all of their friends. I tell you, Vicki, the, the peace that the Lord gave me through that difficult experience was amazing. Um, my mother, she called me the rock of the family. Mm. And by God's grace, I did the things that no one else could do because of their grieving. Um, we should be content with all the Lord allows in our lives. 
And if not, discontent can lead to resentment. And sometimes you can never get over it in your life if you don't stop that emotion before it right. gets to that point. But it, it's it, it's obvious that you used the strength from God. Oh, it wasn't absolutely. your own strength. Because I heard that as you were driving down to... To, uh, to your the parents hosp- and the hospital. The hospital and to meet What were you doing then? I was singing hymns. And what hymn were you singing? I love thy will, O God. And my wife reminded me of that. That's, that's what gave you the strength, is relying on God. Well, Vicki, what is victory over self? When you are content with any food, any offering, any raiment, any climate, any society, any solitude, any interruption by the will of God. When you lovingly and patiently bear any disorder, any irregularity, any impunctuality, or any annoyance, when you can stand face to face with waste, folly, extravagance, and spiritual insensibility, and endure it as Jesus endured it, that is victory over self. Wow, and Moses is an amazing example of that, isn't he? Really he really is. You think about how he pleaded for the Israelites instead of saying, yeah, get rid of him and start a new, start a new nation with me. After all the me. discontent and how they didn't want him as the leader right. and they questioned his leadership. Unbelievable. And he still had a great love for them. He did. And we're going to soon be playing a, a song and give you a hint of how to overcome these emotions that can lead to discontent. And um, a beautiful song that we found and... Uh, very inspiring um, to me. And it talks about what is anger's own worst enemy. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I will be talking over the end of the music as we wrap up, um, but uh, this is Matthew West, Forgiveness. The hardest thing to give away And the last thing on your mind today It always goes to those who don't deserve It's the opposite of how you feel When the pain they cause is just too real Taste everything you have to say the word Forgiveness So far, we've looked at three different emotions that can lead to resentment. In the second hour, we'll discuss three more emotions. We will also find out how to prevent resentment in our lives. For Jonathan and Rick and Vicki and Christian Questions, we'll be back again after the second hour with so much more on an important subject. How can resentment lead to death? We'll be back. Stay with us uh, right after the news and all that. Resentment. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com. 
and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Alana Stewart once said, Bitterness and resentment only hurt one person, and it's not the person we're resenting. Good morning. Welcome back. I'm Jonathan, and this is not your typical Christian commentary. We look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And helping us out today is Vicki. Well, Vic, we have a subject on the table that may not be very uplifting, but a subject we need to be aware of. So what's our question? How can resentment lead to death? And the scripture is Ephesians 4.31. Let there be no more resentment, no more anger or temper, no more violent self-assertiveness, no more slander, and no more malicious remarks. No more, Vicki. Paul is, is had enough. That's right. Enough is enough. And uh, what a good example he is to bring out uh, how bad resentment can just deteriorate the Christian's heart and mind. And although it's not a happy subject, we did at the end of the last hour give a hint to the happy ending. Yes, we did. And that is forgiveness. And if you listened to the song, I really appreciated it's it forgiveness is anger's own worst enemy. So we need to nip it in the bud. Right. And then it says, it's the whisper in your ear to set it free. How cool is that? Uh, that is beautiful. I wish I could write poetry and music. But. <laughs> well, so far, Vic, we've talked about selfishness, anger, and discontent, which all can lead to resentment. We've learned how we might gain victory over self in each of their circumstances. We have talked about how resentment actually led to the death of several. Uh, Vicki, we must avoid this evil uh, to protect our relationship to our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus. So let's go on to our fourth related emotion uh, that can lead to resentment. And what is that? Jonathan, it's pride. Pride. Now, here's an example. The scribes and Pharisees were prideful, and that led to resentment. This parable spoken by Jesus was to describe the attitude of the Pharisees versus the publicans. Let's read Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Wow, the attitude of pride really comes out. I'm too good to look at you or talk to you or want anything to do with you because I am the religious leader of the Jews. (laughs) And it sounds very like, oh, we would never do that. But But fast forward to today, and we do do that. You know, I... I go to church every week. I, you know, I I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Yeah. I donate to whichever 
is your we could fall into the same trap yes we can and if we don't remember where our forgiveness comes from we have to be careful don't we all by the grace of god now how many times did jesus try to get the the attitude of the scribes and pharisees back on track now how many times did he go, whoa, do you describe <laughs> yeah. the Pharisees? Come on. Whoa. Stop that well, pride. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but they weren't listening. They, they were not. And how about another example? Uh, we had a, a, have an example of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, he was a great example of how pride this time led to humility instead of resentment. See, humility versus pride, there's a correlation there. Yes, indeed. And and what about Nebuchadnezzar? Well, Nebuchadnezzar was, um, he was a king of, he had a huge kingdom. And then he had a dream about a tree and it was cut down and then Daniel came in and interpreted it for him. And just 12 months after he interpreted it, it happened. So he's walking on the balcony and he's looking out over Babylon and he says, I built this all myself, it's a royal palace adequate to to display my honor and my glory. And the words were no sooner out of his mouth than a voice in heaven. This was his dream. So the verdict came on King Nebuchadnezzar that the kingdom was taken from him. He was driven out of human company. He was put into the pasture to be like a beast. I mean, for seven seven years years. a beast because of his pride and arrogance. Now, how could that have happened when he witnessed the faith of Daniel and remember the thie- three Hebrews in the fire? Right. He saw the miracle that God, the, the God of Abraham, did on the behalf of these four men. Right. And he exalted and praised God after seeing this. But then he still allowed pride to creep in. I would think being a ruler, I mean, that's kind of equivalent to, I think, the pro- the scribes and the Pharisees also because they were rulers. And rulers have a double... Um, uh, caution to watch for pride because so whenever you're commended on doing a good job, oh Nebuchadnezzar's a wonderful king. He can it would be very easy to, to yeah. So humil- you have to have double humility. But what's to keep cool honoring God is that he did end up at the end of the seven years. He looked up to heaven and and uh, why don't we read Daniel four and that thirty six through thirty seven? That's great, Vic. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king twelve months later. So then he goes in for the seven years, and he's... Daniel 4, 36, 36, at the same time. There you go. At the same time that my sanity was restored, now Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And there is the lesson. I and wonder if he, the scribes and Pharisees, if they had been beasts for seven years, would have been humbled. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Well, we do have a call. And uh, who, who is on the line? This is Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to the program. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for the lessons on a very uh, difficult subject, a very trying, a challenging daily subject. Uh, Vicky, good job. Thank you. Uh, By God's grace. Amen. And they, what a beautiful poem. I like, I like that poem because it hits home. Uh, these, you know, these things that can be so uh, repeated, uh, like the man said, repetition makes impression. We need constant reminders 
about uh, this uh, this challenging topic. Two scriptures come to mind, uh, which, uh, uh, you know, they stir my thinking along this line. Number one is Romans 15, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, where uh, it uh, connects to yielding when it's just a matter of preference. And how dramatic, how, you know, challenging it is for uh, married couples to live up to that uh, guideline. You know, it's so sad the divorce rate is so high. It's oh, just it because is. people, so, so often they they argue over uh, where principle is not involved. And I also like the, uh, you already uh, connected to Matthew 18, mm-hmm. chapter 18, verses 1, 2, and 3, I think it is. A child-like innocence. I, li- I like that scripture. You, know, you have to be with that innocence of a child to, to uh, uh, you know, fight off resentment. It's beautiful. So, here is a powerful one to me along this line, too, as I uh, leave you. Uh, one of our greatest enemies is self-pity. And so much of it, I, I connect actually connects to your uh, analysis of uh, selfishness. So may God help us to fight these uh, propensities, which do lead eventually, as you stated out so uh, uh, clearly, they do lead to tragedy and death. Thank you. God bless. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Great points. Great scriptures, and. Um we appreciate your call and your feedback and helping us uh, with the subject, Julius. If only we could yield in preference, always. That's right. Be that, that child, that innocent child, willing to forgive and forget and move forward. And move forward. Well, let's take a look at another verse in First Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humility is the key. And uh, we got from um, two other CQ teams uh, their thoughts on that verse. Uh, And this is from Doug and Julie. But how do we clothe ourselves in humility? It is a physical act to put on a garment. It is not part of our natural skin. We make the decision to clothe ourselves. The word clothe here goes beyond just putting a coat over our shoulders. It means to bind or fasten by the tying of knots so that garment is secured and becomes a part of us. We want to make it a practice never to be without it. It all to always have it on in every action of life in public or private. These days we hear a lot about keeping our lives in balance, like managing stress through balancing our home life and our work life. But picture a scale with pride on one side and humility on the other. Discipline and practice will remove the weight of pride and add weight to the side of the humility. In this case, we do not want balance. We want humility to vastly overweigh pride. We can't be prideful and humble at the same time. Wow, very, very but special. Very well thought out. And I really appreciate how, you know, they talk about that we make the decision to bind and fasten by the tying of knots. And it's only through discipline and practice 
that we're going to be able to do it. And, That's and, right. You know, they said we can't, we want, we don't want the balance in humility and pride. We want humility to vastly outweigh pride. That's right. Ideally, we would like there to be no pride. But unfortunately, but, in our fallen right, condition, we just have to keep doing our best. Keep battling it. Absolutely. Yeah. How about that? Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Wow. Pride is destructive. It can lead to death. Uh, humility is a solution to overcome that pride. So whenever we start thinking, I deserve, just in, an, in a day, count how many times you think or say the word I. And I wonder <laughs> if, if that might show some pride I, I, or selfishness I, 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 or I, I, all I. of these. Not I, I, I. That doesn't count. Just I. <laughs> okay. Well, Vicki, what is victory over self? When you can receive correction and reproof from one of less stature than yourself and can humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly, finding no rebellion or resentment rising up within your heart, that is victory over self. And this reminds you of King Nebuchadnezzar versus the pharisaical attitude. Right. He, I mean, it took a while, but King Nebuchadnezzar got it, and he got it for the rest of his life. And I That's right. trust and pray that the Lord will give me the experiences I need to get it. Not that I become a beast in a field anywhere, but whatever it takes. All right, so we cannot allow this pride to enter into our hearts, rise above it, stop it before it can turn into resentment. And humility is the antidote um, to keep us in check. It also reminds me of um, submitting humbly and inwardly. This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki here with Jonathan. Our subject is resentment. Coming up, how did jealousy torment brothers in the Bible? Stay with us to find out. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our question this morning is, how can resentment lead to death? We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central Time. That means we're on right now. We'd love to have you join our conversation by calling 866 985 4255, that's 866-985-4ALL. Out of the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 excuse me, at ChristianQuestions.com. Or you can message us, message us on your app. And if you don't have it, download it because it's awesome. It's a free service. And just go to your app store and type in Christian Questions Radio and it uh, connects you to everything Christian Questions. Now, Vic, it's been said... The jealous are troublesome to others, but a torment to themselves. What is our fifth related emotion? Jealousy. Well, remember the story of Cain and Abel. That's the first place we find um, what jealousy can really do and how Mm. bad it can become uh, when Cain killed his brother. Yeah, that wasn't a good thing. No. No, it wasn't. And now they both offered sacrifices to the Lord to honor the Lord. Mm -hmm. And 
one sacrifice was accepted and the other wasn't. Right. And one was one was um, an animal sacrifice of the flock and the other was fruit of the ground. And so the That's fruit right. of the ground the Lord did not accept. Right. And, you know, the Lord could see this anger and jealousy uh, building up in Cain. And he said, you know... So the Lord talked to him. Yeah, he did. He, he said, said, okay, Cain. <laughs> why has your countenance fallen? It, you know, um, it, 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 you can do well, but sin is crouching at the door. You have a choice here. And he was trying to say, master this emotion right. before something goes wrong. And then after that, Cain went and talked to Abel. That's right. So you would think Abel would say, you know, let me help you. Let me, but... Humility takes listening. You have to be able to listen and take direction from anybody, anything, at any time, because the Lord can use anything. Look, I mean, look at Balaam. He even used a donkey. That's right. That's right. Well, why did Cain kill his brother? Well, God did not accept his sacrifice. God did accept his brother's offering. So jealousy turned to resentment, and it led to bitterness. Now, what could have Cain have done instead? Well, he could have asked the Lord, well, what will you accept if you didn't accept um, the vegetables from my garden? Um, how he could have asked Abel for, hey, could I have an animal sacrifice? C- could you sh- share one so that the Lord would accept my sacrifice? Or three, he could have humbly and lovingly congratulated his brother and profited from the knowledge gained. But that's not what happened. No, he needed a heart change. He really did. He really did. And that's where the first murder took place in our human family. Well, our next example of jealousy leading to resentment is Joseph's brothers. And we're going to be reading uh, parts of Genesis 37, starting 1 through 4, and then bouncing around. So uh, let's go to that. It's a beautiful story. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned, in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph was 17 years of age and was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth. And Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. His brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Could not. You get that? Could not. Oh. <laughs> not would not. Could not. His brothers were jealous of him. When they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Wow. Their jealousy turned into resentment and they plotted to kill him. Evil can bring us to resentment. The brother's resentment here could have led to the death of Joseph, but God intervened, didn't he? It did. He did, and it turned out to be a beautiful story of forgiveness. And what an example Joseph was. To Think about if anyone had a, a, a choice to be resentful mm-hmm. for what happened to him in his life, thrown into a pit. Sold into sold slavery. to slavery. Right. Then, then, you know, Potiphar wife set him up yeah and then so he was imprisoned for for not just a little bit of time right years right but always trusting always trusting and letting go of that resentment so that when his brothers did come back into his presence he was able to say you meant it for harm 
but God meant it for good. Why can't we look at our circumstances and just know that they're going to turn out for our eternal good? There you go. Even if our flesh doesn't like it. And he hugged and kissed them. The brothers probably didn't know how yeah, to react. Yeah, they were scared. <laughs> and then after his father died, I think they were still scared because yeah. he thought, oh dear, did he, was he just nice because dad was here? He had such an <clears throat> amazing heart. He did. He rose above those fleshly emotions. What an example. Well, why don't we look at Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death, and jealousy is cruel as the grave. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The grave's not good for anything. No. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely. <laughs> so. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> so, so jealousy. I mean, if it's as the grave, you know, you learn in, in, in elementary school, this as to this. So there's a comparison. There, there you go. So jealousy is not good for anything. Don't go there. No. Just avoid. Not at all. <clears throat> Let's look at First Samuel 16, 6 through 9. It happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. What an example, Vic, of jealousy leading to resentment. In this case, it led to attempted murder. And another comparison, look at Jonathan, his son, who David oh. took took the crown from him. Jonathan was the rightful owner of the crown when, when Saul died, but yet Jonathan loved David and saw that God was working in his life and had no resentment. That is amazing. I mean, Saul... How many times to, did he and his army try to murder and, and kill David? Time and time again. Hiding he, in caves. David's hiding in caves. He threw a spear at him. It, it, yeah. it was just the anger. And then David can sneak up while he's sleeping <clears throat> and steal his water bottle and his spear. And he can cut a piece off of his robe while Saul goes into the cave. And all these things. And, and only David wanted to just show him, look, I could kill you, but I have no resentment. Right. Leave me alone. Exactly, exactly. Well, we have uh, a very interesting story uh, for a soundbite, and this comes from uh, a story of forgiveness from Joshua Forenstein. You see, one of my favorite stories is that of a National Geographic photographer who was taking pictures of this big, beautiful, bald eagle as it was circling around a canyon looking for prey. Finally, it finds it and it swoops down into the canyon and grabs it from the brush and begins to ascend back up into the clouds. But he noticed that the higher and higher it got as he's snapping pictures, all of a sudden it begins to struggle and then it falls out of the sky, spiraling down to the canyon floor below and it ends up there dead. He's wondering, what was it that could have killed this eagle? I didn't hear a gunshot, and so he runs down into the canyon, and he flips the eagle over, only to find that the piece of prey that it had picked up was actually a weasel. And that weasel, as the eagle had clutched it close to its chest, had begun to eat away at its chest cavity until finally... Until finally it literally ate its heart right out of its chest. Why didn't that eagle just let go? And yet maybe sometimes some of us do the same things. We hold on to things that have hurt us in the past and we hold on to it until finally it just eats away at us and rips our heart right out of our chest. When we would have been better to just forgive, let God, and let go. What a powerful story of what forgiveness can do, but how bad resentment can be 
it can yucky, be devastating. Yucky story, but it's a great story. Like, it really is. Vic, like the eagle, the problem with resentment is that it is something that eats away on the inside of us, and we have have to be the one to let it go. If the eagle had let go of the weasel, he would not have been destroyed. We need to let bitterness, resentment, jealousy, anger, we need to let them go. Yeah, bitterness does more harm to the vessel in which it's stored than the vi- vessel on which it is poured. And that's, that's, that's it. very poetic. And the, you know, going back to that song that we played the verse of, it's, you know, it's, Forgiveness is the whisper in your ear to set it free. Let it go. Just let it go. That's the antidote. And the Apostle Paul in our theme scripture in Ephesians 4.31 was telling the brotherhood. Why don't you read that theme scripture again? Let there be no more resentment, no more anger or temper, no more violent self-assertiveness, no more slander, no more malicious remarks. Yeah, he's yelling at him. It's enough. Yep. There's enough. Yep. So in the, the body so of Christ, the body of Christ, do not allow these things to damage each other because it's it's fleshly. It's mm-hmm. not spiritual. It it has no place for the Christian walk. Right. Right. We have to let it go. So how do we avoid jealousy? Let's look at James one, fourteen and fifteen. But each one is tempted. When by his own coveting he is drawn out and enticed, then the coveting, having conceived, given birth to sin, and the sin, when full grown, bringeth forth death. Be not deceived, my brethren, beloved. Every good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Wonderful. That's a great scripture, again, going back to our discussion of our circumstances. That's right. Everything we have is from God. So we have no right to say, I'm better than anybody else, or I do this better. It's all by the grace of God that we can do anything at all. These experiences are tailor-made for each of us to prove our faithfulness to him. And if we rebel against it or others in a negative, evil way, we're not profiting from the lesson. And so we truly need to understand that every experience we have is from our Heavenly Father to help us develop that sympathetic love and care for the human family. Um, Because that's what Jesus did. He did, yeah. And he, again, you know, instead of being jealous, to to try to um, enter into someone's joy is can be very, very rewarding. And if you can just let it go and truly let someone um, someone uh, else have something more than you have and be okay with it. That's right. Because I'm sure when we look around, especially in our area, in our surroundings, we most of us have everything we need. We may not have what we want. And, and sometimes... There's a big difference there. There's a isn't there, huge there? difference. And sometimes it's a matter of spending our money on what we want and not having what we need. Right. Well, Vic, we need to remember that God is in control and overruling every aspect of our lives. He knows what we need before we do. We must be careful not to look at what others have or what they do or how they serve and desire uh, the same. We all have different abilities and experiences to help us grow. And that's, that's good. That's important. We're all different. 
Yeah. And we and the Lord gives us we, different experiences. And we can't look at others and be jealous. Uh, we just have to be like, I le- love the scripture, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those, those who, who weep. weep. Like you say, enter in with them, mm-hmm. but don't want what they have. Right. And by entering in, you kind of have what they have. And that's and, and that's absolutely right. Because we only want what the good things we, they have. We don't want the, the weeping. We just want the rejoicing piece, and that's not fair. You're absolutely right. So, Vicki, what is victory over self? When you can see your brother prosper and have his needs met and honestly rejoice with him in spirit and feel not envy nor question God while your own needs are far greater and in desperate circumstances, that is victory over self. Joseph did that very well. Wow. Yes, he really did. He did. Um, unfortunately, Cain did not. He no. did not rejoice with God accepting his brother's sacrifice. No, he didn't. And he, he went the, the wrong direction. But Joseph was an example that he was. He, I, I really love that he's like a picture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. In, in all of his experiences, everything he did, he rose above. Um, he didn't seem to have emotions. any flaws. <laughs> he really didn't, and it, I'm it sure he really did. But because he's in the scriptures as a picture of Jesus, I think they just kind of left those out. But yeah. So we just dealt with de- jealousy, and we're going to end this segment a little bit early because we have a longer end ending. So, um, Vicki, take us out of the break. Thanks for listening to Christian Questions. I'm Vicki here with Jonathan, and we're discussing how can resentment lead to death? Would you resent someone who commented on how little faith you had? Eek, that's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our question this morning is how can resentment lead to death? We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. We'd love to hear, have you join us our, in our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Go to our website and become a Twitter follower to learn about upcoming programs and new updates posted. Our website has over 500 archived programs. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Well, thanks, Vic, for that. And uh, out of the break, you said, Oh, thou of little faith, how would you feel if you heard those words uh, from our Lord? And that leads us to our last and final, our sixth related emotion to resentment. And what is that, Vic? Humiliation. Again, not being humbled, but be- humiliation, not be- Being humiliated. Right. Whoa. And that is powerful. It can cause all kinds of emotions and reactions. Now, we're going to be talking about Peter as our first example of someone who was humiliated, but did not let it lead to resentment. So, we're going to end uh, or we're going to begin this this uh, humiliation on a positive note, which I love. Because yeah. <laughs> we've had a lot of negatives here. Yeah. So, Peter was told, O thou of little faith. Um, and there were a lot of people around him. Yeah. 
Yeah, he could have been humiliated. He could have. Now, when when was he told this? Well, he when the he was in a boat, and the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, and they all got scared. You know, oh, what is going on? But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, "Take courage. You know, don't be afraid. It's just me." And Peter said, "Oh, oh, if it's." If it's well, the O O isn't it? <laughs> Peter said, "Lord, if it's you, let me come to to on the water to see you." So he walked on the water. Now he got out of the boat. That's faith. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and look, Peter could have, you know, after he was told, "Oh, thou little faith," he could have said, "But I walked on water. I didn't doubt." But we know his character accepted the words of Jesus, and he didn't take it negatively when he heard those words. Right. Well, when he when he was walking on the water, he saw the wind and he got afraid. Yeah. And so he started to sink, and Jesus had to pull him up. And that's when Jesus said, oh, "You know, y- you had faith to get out of the boat, but you got to keep the faith." And I think that's we need to do the same thing in our experiences. Keep our focus on our Lord Jesus. Look up, or we don't could look down at the exactly. restless sea around us. And, and we're going to stay with Peter um, with uh, this next portion. Peter was told by Jesus to put away thy sword. What was Peter thinking? But you told us to bring them. Again, we see the ability Peter had to accept Jesus' command. And this, Vicki, the context of, of what this took place is when they were ready to take Jesus to the cross. They were putting they were him going, in prison. Right. Well, they were going judgment. to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And to... Yeah, they were already there, but... Right. But Jesus said, bring swords. That's right. right. And so, <laughs> so Judas and the soldiers of the scribes and Pharisees were coming mm-hmm. towards them. and Peter took the sword that Jesus told him to bring. That's right. And cut off the ear exactly. of the servant. And, it's, and Jesus is like, no, stop, and healed the ear. Yeah. And Peter must have been like... Hello, you told me to bring the sword. Exactly. And uh, we can also look in Luke twenty-two thirty-eight 38 uh, and 48 through 51 and also found in John 18, verse 10 about the experience of uh, Peter trying to defend his Lord and Master but then was humiliated in front of all of the disciples um, that he did something wrong. But he had the humility to listen. Again, that's right. You know, that's what we see over and over in Peter. Love his character. Me too. I love it. And, and now let's continue. In in Peter was following after our Lord after he was taken prison prisoner, and remember, um, he was inside um, watching what was going on. And Peter denied Jesus three times. Three times, not um, once. Three times, not twice. When the the rooster crowed, Jesus told him when he would hear that, he told him in advance. And then somehow, I don't know how that happened with Jesus, with Peter being in the court probably and Jesus inside, but Jesus actually looked at Peter and that's when Peter remembered everything that Jesus had said, um, that he was going to deny him three times. And Peter said, oh, I'm not going to deny you three times. And then um, he went out and cried. And wept bitterly. Bitterly, yes. Yeah. And, and now, how humiliated Peter must have felt since he announced to the disciples and to Jesus just the night before that he would not deny the Lord and he would go into death with him. Mm-hmm. But the Lord warned him after that those comments, as you mentioned, but he still did not let that humiliation get to his heart to, mm-hmm. to cause him to lose his life 
or or to give up and to walk away from the disciples and following in Jesus' footsteps. He was truly rightly exercised by all of his experiences. and Which we want to be too. Right. So in, in this case of Peter, we want our hearts to be like him, to bounce back when we fall and make mistakes. I think we need to remember that when we're humiliated, it's not really the person or the circumstance that's humiliating us, um, but it's for our own good and we're being hu- Humbled by the, by Lord. the Lord, and by that's good Lord. because He will exalt those who are exalted, and, or exalt those that are humble. That's so right. We want to be humble. Let's continue on with uh, Peter, and let's read John chapter twenty-one, verses fifteen to seventeen. So, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" He said to him, "Yes, Lord. You know that I love you." He said to him, "Tend my lambs." He said to him a second time, "Simon, son of John." you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. You could feel humiliated hearing this question over and over didn't you hear me the first time? Yeah. But again, his heart was the heart of humility. And you see how he changed because acceptance. after the third time, when he says, Lord, you know all things, he's not like he was before when he said, I'll die for you, Lord. Right. So it's on this third one, he's like, oh, I, I think I love you. <laughs> I'm trying to love you. <laughs> you tell me. You know all things. And we know the beauty of, of this this. Um, experience because he denied Jesus three times in the court here he Jesus was able to say you love me three you times love me reestablish that relationship and very different than and don't Judas. look back to your mistake and let it hold you back mm-hmm. move forward I'm giving you a commission tend my lambs and tend my sheep now Peter moving on um, he was humiliated when the Apostle Paul confronted him about his hypocrisy and we find that in Galatians 2, 11 through 14, Paul is describing what took place. But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in the presence of all, If you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? So he was being hypocritical uh, and separating himself from the Gentiles and going over to the, the, um, the Christian um, the Christians from Jerusalem. He may have felt humiliated, but based on Peter's character, I'm sure he soon realized his mistake and regretted it. Uh, because of Peter's disposition, he acted, he accepted his mistakes, and he accepted Jesus' forgiveness and soon after took a leadership role for the disciples. And I believe um, that after Paul um, was killed, I believe Peter actually followed the Gentile churches that Paul strengthened oh. to reaffirm that right. Paul was right on track and 
I think it led to his death when he ended up in Rome um, when he was killed. I think that kind of what history brought out. I kind of feel like you need pride to be humiliated. I don't know if Peter had any self-pride because he just, he could be corrected and corrected and corrected and he just kept going, doing the best he could. Now we know John the Baptist lashed out at the scribes and Pharisees for coming to be baptized. Did their humiliation cause them resentment? We we just saw how Peter's humiliation caused him growth. Now let's look at the other side. Matthew 3, 5 through 10. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea, and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, as they confessed their sins. But when he saw the many... He saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism. He said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Uh, Vic Matthew twenty one thirty two confirms John's rejection when Jesus speaks to the chief priests and elders at the temple. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. They knew John was speaking about them, and based on their humiliation, they were resentful and rejected John. Um, so their uh, humiliation went bad. Yeah, it definitely did. It's, it's, And they had more and more chances, not only from John. I mean, that scripture says, you know, let me see the fruit of your repentance. Don't just come here like Ananias and Sapphira. Don't pretend that's it and we they, need to see fruit in our christian they look character. look good on the outside but what was their heart right truly all about now humiliation can lead to resentment which can lead to death how can we avoid being like the scribes and pharisees and be more like peter by following in jesus footsteps jesus was despised and rejected of men as followers of christ we must expect the same and not be resentful. You know, when I start feeling um, humiliated and those little tinges of discomfort, I try to take it as from God, and then I'm more apt to listen and grow from the experience because it, God can God, God can give me whatever He wants, and I just for some reason I can take it better that way. Well, we're going to go to a soundbite now, and it's uh, three first steps to overcoming resentment by Debbie. Chavez, and um, we'll go to that right now. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And that's, that's the huge key, isn't it? Just like you wanted to be forgiven, and you're like, yeah, that's great. God's forgiven me. How about we forgive others the same way? And here's the thing. Satan is going to keep on reminding you because he loves to torment. And if he can push your buttons, he's going to be pushing your buttons all day long if you let him. So he's going to be reminding you of what's happened in the past. Just bring it up over and over again. And if you bite on that, and if you go, yeah, and start to like replay that over and over, because we like to do that as women, like, let's just bring that out and replay it again. <laughs> and get all worked up again about that thing, right? But what if you were to push the pause button or the, or the rewind button or how about the eject button and just say, I'm not going to entertain that thought because that is the past 
and I've already forgiven, and I'm going to move forward again. And then Satan's going to come back another day and say, yeah, remember that, remember that, remember that. And if you entertain that thought and welcome it and just bring it up again and just kind of coddle that hurt and that wound and open it up again, you know, you're going to be tormented. The resentment's going to start building again, and it's going to start affecting all of your relationships. So true how we allow things to keep coming up after we thought we forgave someone. So, Vicki, what is victory over self? When you are forgotten or neglected or purposely set it not, and you don't sting and hurt with the insult or the oversight, but your heart is happy being counted worthy to suffer for Christ, that is victory over self. You know, Jonathan, we've been reading this poem and inserting all of these characters, but um, we're going to have the entire poem in the um, CQ Rewind bonus material. So if you're not signed up for that, go to CQ or ChristianQuestions.com and um, take care of that immediately so you can get this great it's bonus material. It's an amazing, amazing poem. Well, in conclusion, Vicki, forgiveness is the answer for how we can prevent resentment in our hearts. What we have are six character traits that can lead to resentment. And again, what, what were they that we've talked about? Selfishness, anger, discontent, pride, jealousy, and humiliation. Any of these things can happen to us at any time. Go immediately to the throne of grace and ask forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness changes our destination. And we're going to go to our last soundbite, uh, or our second to last soundbite. Uh, no, we don't have time for that. All right, thanks. So, Fred, let us know uh, when the timing is for the, the music. But let's read uh, some scriptures over the music. When, whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness Forgiveness Oh, forgiveness Jonathan and Rick and Vicki at Christian Questions. We'll be back next week with another subject. But until then, keep resentment out of your hearts and minds. Till next week, forgive. Think about it.